welcome to the Farm Answers Podcast. The Farm Answers Podcast takes a deeper look at projects funded by the USDA National Institute of Food and Agriculture's Beginning Farm and Rancher Development Program and how they are reaching beginning farmers and ranchers. Hi, Lucy. Welcome to the Farm Answers Podcast. Thank you. It's great to be here. Yeah. So Lucy works for Refugee and Immigrant Self-Empowerment, or RISE, in Syracuse, New York. And Lucy, can you tell us a little bit about RISE, um, maybe like what you do there and who you serve? All right. So here at RISE in Syracuse, um, I am the Agriculture Program Director. So the Agriculture Program has been around for about seven years now. And we serve people in the refugee and immigrant populations who are looking to start farming on any scale. I think that's great. That's a, definitely a community that is underserved and definitely a community that, you know, when you're starting out, you might need a little bit of help. So I think that's awesome work that you're doing. Can you tell me more about your project that was funded through the NIFA grant, particularly why was it needed or, or necessary in your area? Sure. So this program came about because of the needs of the community. So RISE has been around for a lot longer since about 2004. It started out serving just people from um, the Somali Bantu community, but then it um, expanded and now it serves people who are refugees or immigrants from anywhere in the world. And these people were coming to RISE seeking services. And then there began to be this common need that was being voiced over and over again that people had done farming in their home country and they'd really liked it and they wanted to do it here, but people couldn't find any access to farmland. It was too expensive or too confusing. And then there also is this need for education because of the seasons here. It's cold, it's difficult to grow things. There's a lot of regulations and permitting and it is so confusing, especially when you're trying to adapt to so many other things. So people kept wanting to be able to start even just gardening. They weren't requesting whole farms, but when people live in apartment buildings, they don't have room to garden in their backyard. So we looked for funding and this funding actually began um, with a different grant from the Health and Human Services. And then as we expanded, we received a grant from NEFA, the Beginning Farmer Rancher Development Program grant. And with this grant, we were really able to start serving a lot of people on community gardens in the north side of Syracuse, where a lot of the families live, and also on some farms just outside of Syracuse, where people can have up to one acre of land to grow whatever they want, however they want. I think that sounds great. And you hit a lot of the challenges that I was thinking in my head. So you have Rise initially existed just to help these communities, right, in whatever form or fashion they needed. But then what y'all found was actually people want to farm here. It's what they did back home. They want to do it here. But like you said, it's it, it's very different, right? Especially you mentioned you serve Somalis initially, but now you're serving other communities. But I can imagine if they're coming from a tropical climate or a desert, farming in upstate New York is quite a bit different, right? Yes, exactly. We do a lot of classes on seasonality, when to start different seeds, when you have to stop growing, what grows well in cold weather. But it's really great because people are still bringing a lot of seeds and plants from their home country and growing it here, mostly just for consumption in their home or people grow a lot of vegetables to just give out to their community. So while there is a marketing side, 
a lot of people just want to be able to increase their own food sovereignty. Oh, I like that term. You're the first one to use that food sovereignty. So it's pretty small parcels of, of land. I mean, it might just be a garden and then people are using the food themselves or not necessarily taking it to a farmer's market. Or can you talk a little bit more about that? Sure. Yeah. So we do actually work at a farmer's market and we're working on increasing the marketing opportunities this year as well in some other ways because there is a desire to sell. But a lot of our farmers are not just farmers. These are people who have one or more than one jobs. They have families. They have very, very busy lives. So everyone is farming in their free time. They're farming in the evenings, on the weekends. Um, so there isn't really time to like create a whole farm business, although that is something we'd like to move towards. But right now, a lot of people are focusing on smaller sales or on growing for their cells, for their community. People really talk about the joy of having a full fridge and freezer at the end of the year that lasts them well into the winter and really decreases those grocery bills. I completely understand. I am a gardener and yes, it definitely helps with the bills and there is a real feeling of satisfaction and knowing that you were able to, you know, create and grow all this food for your family. You said the longer term vision is to help people grow these into a business. Can you tell me a little bit about what you all did with the money from from the grant, whether that was, you know, helping people start gardens or moving them towards having larger businesses? The money from the grant um, has gone a lot towards being able to provide technical assistance and training on the farms. So we partner with Cornell Cooperative Extension and we have an educator there who will provide these culturally appropriate classes with all the proper interpretation, either in a classroom setting or mostly on the farms, which is really great because the classes aren't sitting down in chairs, looking at a projector screen. There are people in the field watching someone flame weeding or learning their correct way to harvest and then store something for post-harvest management. Um, and then these same people from Cornell, um, some RISE staff members, and then farm managers from our partners at the farms will all provide technical assistance in the field, helping farmers one-on-one, -on -one, um, getting evaluations on the program, figuring out what needs there are. So some of the funding goes into that staff capacity, and a lot of it goes into the materials that are being used and in addition to the staff capacity and the materials that one needs out at a farm, um, there are other funding that goes into the marketing side. So being able to go to the farmer's market to have all the supplies to be able to sell produce to the community, both the U.S. born community and then a lot of people from the refugee and immigrant community and do outreach to be able to recruit new farmers each year to join the program. That's mostly what the funding goes into. Perfect. That sounds that sounds great. Farmers learn so well. People, I think people learn agriculture really well when it's hands on. And you pointed out sitting in the sitting in a chair and watching a projector really isn't the way to learn it. So I love that you've incorporated that into your program. Do you have a particular story that you would be willing to share about somebody who participated in the class or your program and the difference it made in their life or for their family? Sure. I think I have two different stories. The first one is that we had a farmer who joined the program early on, and he was really interested in growing um, vegetables that were popular in Africa, in the Congo and Burundi and Somalia. So he focused on these African eggplants and other interesting vegetables, and he did not market them 
at the farmer's market with us as most other people did. He sold them directly to people in his community and also online through Facebook to people across the U.S. That's really cool. Across the U.S.? Yeah. And he created a really beautiful business somehow. I don't completely understand it. It was before my time. But he then was able to um, move on because I think he moved to a different part of the state and he um, is now working on his own farm on his own land and still selling vegetables in this crazy great way. So that was definitely a success story. Someone who's able to begin a strong business and continue it without the support of the program. That's awesome. So just to be clear, he came from Africa and figured out how to grow his crops here, how to market them to his community and across the U.S. And then he moved away and got more land and has his business continues to thrive. Yeah, exactly. That's it. That's a great success story. Way to go. High (laughs) fives to you guys. Okay, and you had another one, another story for me. A little differently, but we have had two farmers who started out in the first year of the program and they um, one's from Nepal and one is from Somalia and they both grew vegetables and expanded their land year to year and went through all the education classes. And then they're able to join us as staff members. One is our market manager and one's our community coordinator. And they really understand all of the sides of the program now. And they're able to bring the voices of their communities into the decision-making of the organization. And they create these beautiful community connections and can bring issues that are happening to staff members and can help with all decision-making to make sure we're moving in the right way that's helping people as we work on development and the future of the organization. And having them there is really key to our success. Yeah, I think so. I, As you were talking, it's easy, I think, uh, like as I used to be an extension educator, to think this is what people need to know. And and sometimes you're right, like there are some things people, you don't know what you don't know, but it's also really important to get feedback from those that you're teaching. Like, what is it you want to learn? What is it you need to learn? And then to have people in those communities that have those connections, they, they understand it, right? They have a perspective that would be uh, very different than than yours or mine, right? Yeah, exactly. And they managed to cross those language barriers as well and connect with other people in their communities who I couldn't necessarily have a conversation with, but they can. I completely get it. I think that's wonderful. That's a great success story. So they're really able to like, you know, bridge the gap and uh, they understand both facets, how to farm, what, what your organization is trying to do and what the needs are and able to marry that up. Really nicely. I like that. Um, How does a beginning farmer engage with your program or what beginning farmers can participate in your program? So with the BFRDP grant, any beginning farmers who are in the refugee and immigrant populations from any country who have been here in Syracuse for any amount of time can work with us, which is really great because some grants have more strict rules about the number of years someone's been in the country, but we can be really inclusive. With this funding and people engage with us, it's actually pretty simple for recruitment um, because we have so many people coming through Rise looking for different services all of the time. Um, just in 2021, we had over 600 families were served wow. different services through Rise. So when people go in there, just um, stopping in to try to find a job or something like that, um, our case managers will present the idea of this program to them and people who are interested will then be able to contact a staff member and join 
Um, we also use a lot of word of mouth of our current farmers. They'll drag their friends and family in to start farming as well. And then when people join, they um, will work more intensively with staff members for their first year, usually on a smaller plot of land. And they'll have weekly classes that go over all of the basics and anything people want to learn separate. Um, and that first year, everything's free, the land, the seeds, all of the costs. Um, so it's really, you get like a trial basis to figure out, do I like this? Do I want to keep farming? Is this for me? And then those who continue in the program, which is the vast majority, um, can go on to increase the size of their land, grow new things, grow different things the next year to try to sell things at the markets if they want. And then each year, people can grow their businesses. And um, as they're going through these agriculture classes, there's also classes on starting a business, making a business plan. Um, it's a pretty comprehensive education that really allows people to decide if they want to be subsistence farming, growing for themselves, their families, or if they want to try to turn this into a career. I like it. I mean, it sounds like you start out pretty basic. Let's just test the waters and then it builds and people get more invested in it. But also it sounds like you're trying to, for, for the dollars that you're putting into the program, you're hoping that if people stay in it, like it's right, it's going to generate more economic dollars long-term than what was ever invested in the first place. So it sounds like a wonderful program. And I love the, the word of mouth too, um, how it gets around. As kind of our closing question, what would you tell somebody who was starting a beginning farmer program? Like what advice would you have for them? I think this is a great question. And my biggest advice is that although the term is beginning farmer, um, I don't think that you can discount what a new farmer knows. Um, so mm. in our work, we try really hard to have our classes be exchanges of information, not a lecture, because it's so much more productive that way. And then we learn so much from our farmers, um, ways of farming that are different than how we do it here, but fascinating and things that I've put into practice in my own garden. So I just think that that exchange of knowledge is one of the most beautiful parts of beginning farming. I like it. And I, I agree. Farmers learn best from other farmers and it's wonderful when you can have a hands-on class and everybody gets to kind of share their experiences and people can take what they like, right? And incorporate it back in their own operation. So where can people um, learn more about your project and RISE? Ooh, um, we have some websites. So there's refugeeandimmigrant.org. And then there's also the Syracuse Refugee Agricultural Program has its own website. I believe it's Syracuse wordpress.com um, and you can find us on the various social medias as well on Facebook and Instagram and LinkedIn and there is lots of great information and pictures of what's going on at the farms that can be found there very good okay so the website is refugeeandimmigrant.org okay yes. that's very simple I love it perfect well thank you so much Lucy for joining us today Thank you. It's great talking to you. Thank you for listening to the Farm Answers podcast. This episode was hosted by Betty Burning, produced by Curtis Monken and Jeff Reisdorfer. Listen and subscribe to the Farm Answers podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and all other major streaming platforms. 
tell your smart device to play the Farm Answers podcast. To learn more about this USDA NIFA BFRDP project and other projects, visit farmanswers.org. The Farm Answers podcast and farmanswers.org are funded by the United States Department of Agriculture, National Institute of Food and Agriculture, and are a product of the Center for Farm Financial Management at the University of Minnesota.